I am Liz Ackerman, and um, we, our family, start when our six children started our homeschooling journey 40 years ago last fall, which is unbelievable. But um, it was quite a different world then. Uh, lots of opposition. People were sure that our children were going to grow up and be socially mis social mis ignorant social misfits, and. I think they've done pretty well, actually. They've all graduated from college, and I don't think we have any any axe murderers, any thieves or whatever among them. So I'm actually very proud of them. Um, and so what we are doing, moms, is we have meet monthly for our homeschool mom-to-mom -mom connect program, and we are very interested in your um, opinions and what would you like to discuss next? Um, just so you know that we do have um, next month our homeschool mom to mom connect special guest speaker is going is from um, Parents USA and Michael DeLugas. He was referred to me by Lacey and Michael Strong. He is a constitutional author, uh, attorney. And he um, advocates for parental rights, especially in education. So I'm sure you're gonna want to tune in to that. Um, I, was, I feel so happy to have come across the Liberation for Education organization. Their whole mission is to gather together homeschool resources for parents that want an alternative route um, for their children's education other than public school. And I just looking through their website was like, hooray, hooray, I wanted to jump up and down. And um, as I was saying earlier, before the webinar started for a long time, I felt kind of like a voice crying in the wilderness. And now there are others making noise with me, others raising their voices. It is wonderful. So I don't want to take any more time. But um, if you have questions, if you have ideas for further webinar subjects that you would like covered, please put them in the chat. We will be having Q&A time after Michael and Lacey speak. So I'm gonna turn it over to you both. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on, to give us your time. Um, introduce yourself, selves, and take it away. All right, maybe because I'll speak longer. You want to start, Lacey, and then I'll pick it up. You give the basics, and I'll go from there. Absolutely. I'm Lacey Price. I'm a co-founder of the Liberation of Education. I am an entrepreneur and a homeschooling, unschool mom, and um, I believe very much in, in parents' rights or choices for their children. And um, I'm very proud to be a part of Liberation of Education because we are helping to empower other parents to do education for their children on their terms. And um, very, very uh, proud and grateful to have met Michael, who is a co-founder and our president of the Liberation of Education. And um, he's taught me a lot. So Michael, what do you have to share? Well, thank you. So May 19th through 21st virtual conference. Um, Lacey, maybe you can drop the link in the chat so everyone has it. But um, 
I am quite plausibly the most experienced developer of alternative schools in the United States. I've spent 35 years creating lots of different kinds of schools. I'll go into that in a minute. Uh, my own children also, because I was moving around going to schools, uh, attended public school, Montessori school, private school, Waldorf school. They were unschooled for a while. So I've, as a parent, uh, done just about everything you can imagine. And I personally believe that this movement for parents to take charge of their own child's education is the most important movement in the United States today for the children and for the future of the United States. That may sound grandiose, but um, before going into a bit of my background, just a few um, high-level observations. One is that it is wonderful to spend time with your kids. You know, when I was, um, you know, creating Montessori schools, I was with my kids all day at the school, and it's so cool. When they're at home, they're with you all day. It's so wonderful. So um, there's a um, quotation when government first started to take education uh, from parents crying in agony, please don't take our children away from us. And I think we've become so used to this that we just take it for granted that, oh, we send them away. And sometimes it's nice to get a breather. Again, I'm pluralistic, um, lots of different ways. And I want to encourage you all to explore all the different ways to educate with delight. But it is so wonderful to have a close relationship with your children. Uh, beyond that, you know, it is possible to give them a much better academic education, spending way less time than in schools. So I'll give you one anecdote on that. My son was a reader. He's a senior data scientist for Amazon now, but he was a reader and we'd moved from a place where he was in a wonderful Montessori school to a place where we thought the public schools were okay. We sent him to allegedly the best public school in Broward County. Both my kids, my son was eight, my daughter was four, hated it. We pulled them out and my son read Cartoon History of the Universe in three days. I think he learned more history in three days of having fun reading than he would have an entire year of school. And when that's the kind of scale at which I think children can learn much more quickly if they are at home in a supportive environment and they love what they're doing. Dramatic increase. And I'll talk more about extraordinary homeschool kids I've seen uh, later. The other thing is the adolescent mental health crisis. Most of my career has been in secondary education, so I focus on older students. Many people, the media is uh, with a deluge of the epidemic of teen uh, depression, anxiety, suicide, and they're highlighting, especially for girls, the social media aspect. I think that's real, but I would also say the school aspect. Um, Teen suicides increased 300%, 300% from the time mass secondary school took place. Nobody's paying attention to that. Basically, when we started forcing all teens to go to school, teen suicide blew up. Um, there's also significant evidence that, yes, it's horrifying. I'm sorry, I wanna, I'll go through this quickly, but um, every year about when children go to school, there's about 10 to 20% increase in teen suicides during the school year, it stops during the holidays, it stops over the summer, it's a dramatic increase during the school year. After age 18, the pattern disappears. Um, a child has about uh, double the chance of killing themselves on a Monday during the school year versus a summer day in July. 
So just on the most basic level, um, I see compulsory secondary education as a public health catastrophe. Um, and I can drown you with more data. It's really depressing. But the positive thing is you guys are doing everything you can to give your child a safe, healthy, positive environment. Cannot exaggerate the importance of that. Um, and then finally, you know, I think the most important thing in educating your child is confidence, optimism, well-being, you know, nurturing. Hello. And if a child, no matter what the academics are, if a child leaves a school experience feeling or any of countless sorts of things, they're not going to be happy and successful. So nurture, my bottom line is, nurture your child to be loved, confident, happy, and well, and you've got 90% of an education that's better than anything that happens in most schools. Add to that reading, writing, math, way, way ahead of everybody else. So hurrah for all of you. I'm here to validate it in the biggest possible way. Um, I'll go now I'll go just through my experience. We have a concrete sense of this. I'll tell you a few more anecdotes, talk a little bit about my experience with different kinds of education, and then open it up to Q&A. So uh, I, my parents were uneducated. I became a reader. I always say the best thing about my own education is that I grew up in northern Minnesota with bad TV reception, which meant that I was reading all the time. And so if you can get your child to be readers, not all kids are readers, that's okay. But if your child becomes a reader, I would say the educational problem is 80% solved. If they're a voracious reader and do a little bit of math, you're already doing better than most schools. Um, so I became a reader. As a consequence, um, I had good test scores, just to quickly note the SAT. A huge amount of anxiety around the SAT. If your child is a serious reader, odds are they'll do fine on the SAT verbal. Math is different, does need some work to do well on SAT math, but um, simply reading a lot and a lot of diverse, complex things, done, SAT verbal. So uh, with no, with uneducated parents, um, I ended up going to Harvard for a year. I ended up leaving Harvard to go to St. John's College, campuses in Santa Fe, Annapolis, where they do Socratic dialogue on great books for four years, loved that. I uh, went to graduate school at the University of Chicago, where I wrote most of a dissertation under a Nobel laureate. So basically, coming from nothing, I've seen the top of the education system. I know what it looks like. Um, and then I got into education because I realized most kids are prisoners and they're miserable. So I've spent, started off in public schools, leading Socratic seminars, getting them thinking, talking about ideas, felt like I was liberating the prisoners. From that, uh, we were on grant money. Parents asked me to start a private school in Alaska. So in Anchorage, I created a school where we did Socratic seminars, um, projects, and wilderness experience. It was really cool. Faculty and students all did Tai Chi together every day. So much fun. Then I went to San Antonio and Socratized a Montessori school, a pre-K through eight Montessori school. I've done Socratic dialogues with three-year-olds, which is a blast. Um, and then all the way through eighth grade. I then created a school for highly gifted children in South Florida, where we had sixth, seventh, and eighth graders taking and passing advanced placement exams. And again, if your child's skill level is high, it's no big deal. Um, I, I focus on high level reading, writing, math, and then they can take on anything. Then I created Montessori Middle Schools, the largest Montessori organization in the Bay Area at the time. Um, I then created a charter high school in Angel Fire, New Mexico, that was ranked the 36th best public high school in the United States. I then met John Mackey, the founder and CEO of Whole Foods, 
He and I created a nonprofit to promote entrepreneurial solutions to world problems. Um, he and I are, by the way, and this is for the Liberation of Education Conference. We're doing a interview. I'm doing an interview with him where we're recording John's thoughts on entrepreneurship as an alternative to education. So John is as critical of conventional education as I am. If your kid is a teenage entrepreneur, he or she will be way ahead of most kids going to school. Um, we also, riffing on this thread a little bit, I'm also connected to the 1517 Fund, which invests in teenage entrepreneurs. Um, at my school of Socratic experience, we have a 16-year-old who got $1.1 million in venture capital investment last fall uh, for his Minecraft mods startup. Uh, so I live in a world where teenage entrepreneurs ranging from kids having lawn mowing businesses to multi-million dollar teenage businesses are a normal thing. So John is totally on board with entrepreneurship is more valuable than traditional K-12. Um, after working with John, I started another school here in Austin that combined the Socratic with entrepreneurial and creative projects. That led to me creating the initial model for the high school model for the largest Montessori network in the US. Um, our education was 50,000 a year in New York, 40,000 a year in San Francisco. And now I create, I have the Socratic experience based on all this, a virtual grade three through 12, um, Socratic creative and entrepreneurial projects and uh, a la carte products for homeschoolers all the way up to full school. So I have seen everything along the way. I've helped dozens of people start their own schools. So if any of you want to start your own school, let's go do it. Micro schools, hard the first year, hard the second year by year three, it's okay. And eventually fun and delightful. Um, I've also seen hundreds of homeschoolers because I do alternative education. Many homeschooling parents have liked my programs for um, uh, secondary school, especially high school. And I can say nine times out of 10, the homeschool children I've seen have been far more mature and more academically advanced than regular school kids. You know, one out of 10, every once in a while I get a kid who's homeschool. Usually the problem was I would say addicted to video games. You know, mm -hmm. boys addicted to video games can be an issue. So I am very much, let's curate access to technology. But the vast majority of homeschooling kids are exemplary. Uh, and I think, why would parents risk sending their kids to a regular school? And, you know, I, I know, especially, uh, Liz, I have huge respect for you being a pioneer in this area. And, you know, at the time, people thinking you're crazy. But having seen so many kids, my idea is, are you crazy to send your kid to a regular school? Unless you have a real reason to believe it's a safe, positive environment for your kid. Do not do it. Um, so with that, I'll give a couple of uh, homeschool superstar stories and then go in whatever direction we want in questions, just in terms of homeschool superstars. One of my friends, John Deming, uh, is an entrepreneur and investor. When his daughter was five, she asked her dad, shouldn't I go to school, dad? And he said, well, you can if you want to, but I wouldn't do it if I were you. And she stayed at home. She got in the habit of waking up and doing two hours of math every day, two hours of piano playing every day, and two hours of reading every day, and then spent the rest of the day walking around, talking to her dad, having fun. At the age of 14, she interned with a anti-aging professor at, uh, in San Francisco. At the age of 16, she got, no, no, I'm wrong. I back up, I was wrong. 12, she got the internship with a San Francisco professor on anti-aging. At 14, she got into MIT. 
and no traditional classes at all. I've seen her transcript that she got into MIT with at the age of 14. It consists of books she's read and um, courses she'd audited, college math and science courses she had audited, because of course at 14 she was auditing math and science courses, and she had a recommendation from a world-class researcher. So that's, you know, everybody who says you need to have all this garbage in high school, no, be amazing. My strategy is be amazing. She, by the way, went on to drop out of MIT at 16, got a Teal Fellowship, $100,000 a year to follow her dreams. She started an anti-aging VC firm. And in her 20s, she's one of the world's leading anti-aging researchers. During COVID, she created about 25% of the COVID test in the US. So absolute rock star, no traditional education at all. Different case, a mentee of mine is a man named, young man named Caleb Capoccia. His mother took him out of public school around second or third grade because he was absolutely miserable. Um, he went on to be homeschooled, became interested in acting. Um, in his early teens, he got a gig with uh, AMC along Pierce Brosnan in a TV show called The Sun. He was a professional actor in this series for two years. Um, finally, after doing that, he decided he did want to take a few college courses. So with no traditional education at all, he took community college courses, then got into Harvard and is now doing very well at Harvard. Again, no traditional education background at all. I could go on and on. You guys have, I'm sure, seen and heard these stories, but I want to tell you they're real. They're real. For decades, I've seen young people who are confident and happy and well and nurtured by their parents and given the opportunity to develop four skills can have a lot of freedom and joy and live a fantastic life. So I'll quit ranting. I can go on in a million different directions, but I'll pause. And just on the liberation of education, one of the reasons we're doing this is I know all of these great stories, these great educators, Acton, Corey, Waldorf, Sudbury, you know, homeschool, unschool, dozens of curricula, different ways to get into college, different ways to have a great life without college. I've got kids who are working for startups at the age of you know, 18. Um, I've got kids doing a Harvard CS50, online Harvard Introduction to Computer Science at age 14. You know, right now there's so many resources. Um, so I wanna support all of you in learning whatever you can to help your child have amazing, delightful, fantastic lives. Uh, Liberation of Education Conference, we've got about 30, 40 amazing speakers from different directions. Um, but I'm happy to answer questions now on anything you wanna know on different paths of education, K-12 university startups, yada, yada, yada. Oh my goodness, Michael, we have a spare bedroom. Would you like to just come and live for a while? <laughs> just I'm happy to do whatever I can to support your community. Oh, wonderful, thank you so much. All right, folks. The floor is open. Ask away. Hi. Oh. This is Carol Ayala. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes. I wanted to say that at, on my screen, it's saying that the chat is disabled. Let me look into that. Okay. Well, while we're doing that, I want to I get Lacey to say a few things. One of the things I love about Lacey's personal story is that school failed her. She's now a successful real estate agent. And Lacey, talk a little bit about your own path and how um, school was not part of the solution. You are the solution separate from your own K-12. So I went to, 
to public school from kindergarten to 12th grade, but I did not participate. I cheated really most of my way through. And by the time I had gotten to the 10th grade, when I could drive, I quit going. I really skipped every class. And my parents didn't really care about my public education because they were entrepreneurs and they would tell me a lot as a kid, you're never going to be able to work for anyone. You're going to have to be an entrepreneur. Um, they never pushed me to go to college. They didn't even care if I went to college. Uh, but I myself wanted to go. Uh, and so when I, when I got out of high school and got ready to go to college, I didn't take any of the big entrance exams. I went to a community college and I took their entrance exam and I took all of their remedial courses for math and reading and everything I didn't learn in high school, I had to learn at 18. At the same time I'm doing this, I'm taking my test to be a, a real estate agent. I took that test 13 times before I passed because I never actually really learned reading or reading comprehension in school because I was extremely dyslexic. And I didn't know it at the time, but because I couldn't read, that was really a lot of why I didn't participate in school because I, I didn't learn to read. Um, so fast forward, I have three kids who are in public education, one of which from VPK on, I had serious issues with public education because he couldn't pick up on, on a lot of the reading and, and communicate with his teachers. He was having behavior problems. Um, and so I would sit in class with him, kindergarten through fifth grade. I sat in class every week and eventually he ends up on an IEP. And, and by the third grade, I'm taking him to Tallahassee every week to see a doctor because I think there's something wrong with Aiden. Uh, possibly he's autistic. I didn't know. Um, and then in the fifth grade, after just trying really hard to get him to learn to read, I decide to homeschool him. And we do a, a traditional homeschool just like school. I'm trying to teach him just like school and it doesn't work. Uh, it, it's a very negative experience for both him and I, and I put him right back in school. And um, we get to sixth grade and I'm, you know, concerned. He can't read, he's sixth grade and can't read or write hardly at all. And he's on an IEP. So he's getting pulled out to be taught how to read and write every year from the third grade, but still can't read mm -hmm. or write. Um, and, and by the sixth grade, he's getting in a lot of fights at school. Uh, he's getting bullied a lot and he doesn't get wrote up in the sixth grade because none of them are really his fault. But by the seventh grade, things change. And now if you're involved in a fight at all, you get wrote up. So he has, he has seven fights in the seventh grade and, and actually only ends up with two write-ups. But on the second one, the principal of the school calls me in, who was also one of my teachers, I know very well um, from when I was in school, calls me in and says, hey, he's going to, to get expelled. If he gets one more write-up, whether it's his fault or not, he's going to get expelled. And I just decided at that moment that 
I couldn't have Aiden not defend himself. I'm not going to raise him to be that kind of child. I don't like all of the fighting. So we have to pull him out. I have to homeschool. And, um, and within the same week, my middle child who is in fifth grade, um, gets, gets in trouble for taking a CBD vape pen to school. And the resource officer tells me if he brings it back, we're going to give him a court date. And I think, oh goodness, I can't send him to school because he's going to be in jail before we get over with. So Mm. I have to pull him out. I might as well pull all of them out. And, um, at that time I was having a lot of anxiety because I had already homeschooled once, but I knew God was telling me I had to do this. So I go online and I start looking for programs to put them in options and, and thankfully come across Michael's program um, that at the time was called Expanse. And um, did a little research and started looking at Michael and, and loved all of the things that he was teaching. And I just had already learned them, what he was teaching in my experience in school, but I didn't have anyone around me who was supporting me. Everyone thought I was crazy for pulling them out because how are they going to go to college? How are they going to do all of this? But I knew my oldest child, if I he couldn't go to college right now because he couldn't read. And so I had to pull him out. And um, when I met with Michael, the first time he really made me feel very confident in the fact that Aiden could, he, he could learn and he could grow, but it was going to take some time for him to de-school himself. Mm-hmm. And Michael taught me how to do that myself. And, and I put the kids in his program. They were not prepared for that. They had spent years doing nothing at school. I mean, literally my kids did nothing at school. <laughs> they sat there and watched and that is what they did in his program. Um, but I watched, I sat and watched his program. I loved it. I thought it was great and I wanted my kids to do it. Um, but in the end, I ended up pulling them out of that too and really unschooling me and them. And since then, my oldest, he has taught himself to read and write, just reading the things that he wants to read uh, and, and communicating with friends he's met online. He couldn't even really make friends in school very well, but he's made friends now online. And he is 14, working in a mechanic shop five days a week, uh, making money. He is making money. Uh, and picking up other random jobs today, him and my middle child are doing yard work at uh, my broker's house. And so they just switch between working and doing schoolwork. And school, reading is very important to me. That's the one thing I try to make them do, reading and math. Um, but outside of that, I, I don't push them anymore to, to do science and and and, you know, busy schoolwork. I want them to learn, but I don't necessarily feel like they're learning anything when I make them sit down and do, do schoolwork that they don't want to do. But if I let them, if I say, hey, do you want to, um, do you want to, what do you want to learn about today? Science, math, what are we learning about? And my, my oldest, youngest child will say, I want to learn about science. Okay, what do you want to learn about science? 
and I go through these process of questions with them about what they want to learn, I help them find the videos or the reading or whatever it is on YouTube, on my academy, on IXO, wherever it is, and help them start their own learning process. And it's really matured them. Now they do all their chores by themselves. They get up and do their schoolwork by themselves. Never could I have done that when we were in public school. So I um, am very proud of this journey and grateful for this journey that I've found myself on and very grateful for Michael and all that he has empowered me to be able to do and very proud to be able to do that with the liberation of education for anyone else who wants to homeschool or, or charter school or just get them out of public school into learning. Thank you, Lacey. I want to riff on a couple of things you touched on. One is dyslexia in college admissions, then what you really, what's really essential during learning. So first, dyslexia. I'm of the school that, well, there may certainly be some genetic component to dyslexia. I also think forcing kids to read before they're ready exacerbates it. The founder of the Sudbury Schools claims that he's never seen dyslexia because they don't force kids to read at a certain time. And I think one of the most difficult things for parents is to let kids um, do what's right for that child. Uh, my son was probably reading when he was four and my daughter ended up going to a Waldorf and she didn't read till she was eight and they're both fine. You know, you don't have to do things at the same time. Um, and of course there, if you look at the literature, there are a lot of entrepreneurs and creatives who are dyslexic. And so they're people that manage to have spectacular careers. I've got a business partners in another brand of my program called the Expat International School man named Mikhail Thorup, who was dyslexic, went to uh, public schools where they identified him as special needs. It was horrible. He hated it. He was bored. He was bullied. He felt stupid. He dropped out of school around the age of 13, and he ended up um, listening to a lot of books. So to this day, he listens to hundreds of books a year. He does not read. He has a business relocating expats and makes on the order of seven figures a year. So an incredibly successful entrepreneur, and he found a way to create a life for himself um, outside the system from an early age and be very successful. Uh, so again, if you are, if you take ownership of your own education as a child, as Lacey mentioned, you can do extraordinary things. Actually, just not on the dyslexia point, but I know so many people with amazing stories. Um, there is a young man who was miserable in school, basically dropped out in middle school again. Uh, another case of like this is uh, he was gaming, but then he was coding and he learned how to code. And he ended up uh, becoming a self-taught coder and eventually worked for Elon Musk uh, flying around the world. And now he works for Google designing driverless cars. This is a kid with uh, only middle school education, so to speak but he loved coding and became amazing at coding. Um, I actually know another person who is a self-taught coder on Minecraft. And by the time he was in 10th grade, he was managing a team of Ivy League computer science graduates uh, on a startup uh, in San Francisco. So one of the things that should be obvious, but school has programmed us not to understand it, is that if your child develops amazing skills and ownership of their own life, they will do well. And I see school as mostly noise that gets in the way of this fundamental insight. If your child is in school and owns their own education and learning things, fabulous. But so many kids don't. 
Another data point, 75% of American high school students are unhappy. Two thirds are not engaged in learning. And I look at that, I think, what kind of society uh, puts three quarters of its kids in a place where they're miserable and most of them aren't even learning while being miserable? Just insane. Um, so uh, let me do a quick rant on the college admissions. So only about 3% of American high school students go to selective colleges. We've got this narrative around, oh, how do I get into college? It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. First of all, community colleges will take anybody. Um, second of all, even most colleges at this point are desperate for warm bodies because of the enrollment decline. And if you want to go to a selective college, as I did mention with the earlier examples, um, have great test scores, do well in a couple of good college courses, and have amazing projects. Um, and I mentioned Caleb Capoccio was a professional actor. That's why Harvard picked him, not because he had particularly, you know, a high school transcript. He didn't have a high school transcript. You know, Laura Deming went to MIT because she had a recommendation from a world-class researcher. When I went to Harvard, the kid with the lowest SAT scores in my class had been elected mayor of a small town in Michigan, the age of 18. If your kid can get him or herself elected mayor of a town at the age of 18, Harvard doesn't care about your SAT scores. So think broadly about achievement. Think about nurturing your child's amazing capabilities. I believe that Every child has a distinctive kind of genius. And our job as educators and parents is to try to identify and nurture your child's distinctive genius and have them be amazing. And then they'll be fine. One kind of other riff on this. Um, I often think of what if you had, you know, one of the, the great comedians in your class. Comedians would be a disaster in a class. Robin Williams, oh my God, he'd be <laughs> under the table, on the table, jumping, bouncing around everything. Robin Williams, you know, was a genius for sure. Uh, I actually met a student who's, I asked what he was passionate about. Whenever I talk to a student, my first question is, what do you love? What are you passionate about? What do you do in your free time? I want to know what they care about. And I had a student whose passion was dark comedy, you know, really, uh, and it's inappropriate in school. Everything that he loved was completely inappropriate in school, but he was brilliant at it. So uh, yeah, whatever your child is brilliant about, nurture it, make sure they have great reading, writing, math skills, make sure they're confident and well, and forget about the curriculum. <laughs> Just uh, not to put too fine a point on it. So I'll pause to see if there are any questions. This is wonderful. It's, it's kind of affirming to hear what we used to whisper years ago being actually said out loud now. And so thank you so much. And what a, a broad spectrum and you're giving because not all homeschooled kids will go to Harvard and become multimillionaires. There's just all kinds of ways that a child can succeed. And uh, yes, so I will just end with that. So please, I know everybody's heads are reeling, but... Um, I'm here to be on. I regard the system as fraudulent and abusive. I think um, the system, qua system, again, it works for 20 to 30% of the kids. So if your child or you are one of the 20 to 30% for whom it works, hallelujah. But it's mm -hmm. fraudulent and abusive for the vast majority. And we need to talk about that. Just to talk about creatives for a little bit. So, you know, we focus on intellectuals, entrepreneurs, and creatives, rock star entrepreneurs, creatives. So I've got a student who in eighth grade, 
has written 200,000 words of fan fiction and has an online following of 30,000 followers. You know, uh, if your child loves fan fiction, go for it, go rock the fan fiction thing. Um, I've had students who are literally dyslexic students at conventional schools, public and private, were literally suicidal. Uh, I meet them, and part of it is remedial education, even in a good public or private, you know, special ed school, let's do third grade math over again. Are you insane? You know, you have a kid do third grade math over and over again, they feel stupid, they hate it, they hate themselves, they want to die, it's horrible, but that's what it is. So I ask, okay, what do you love? What are you passionate about? Well, this kid is brilliant at animation, does absolutely genius animations and gets cultivated not. That kid's really great at video production. Let's do really amazing videos. Just in terms of getting kids to sell themselves, I point out that every small business and every nonprofit needs a better marketing video. So if your child is into video or animation or any kind of media, have them go and look at small businesses and nonprofits that don't have high quality graphic design, video, animation, whatever, and offer, have, once they've developed skills, have them offer to do something for free. And I've had kids bootstrap careers by means of offering free work um, based on their skills, and then ultimately they can develop a career doing this. Um, there's a survey of creative professionals and 95% of creative professionals say that skills are more important than credentials. You know, I kind of wonder why 5% think credentials are important, but basically <laughs> the word of creative professionals, you know, graphic design, video production, audio engineering, um, you know, animation, UI, UX, all of these things, skills are everything. And K-12 does not teach these kind of creative skills. Um, universities do a crappy job of teaching these kind of skills. Um, there's a great article on how Mr. Beast learns uh, by a man named Henrik Carlson. I recommend you subscribe to his Substack, Henrik with a K. He talks about Mr. Beast, who at the age of 12, basically hated school, quit bothering with school, became brilliant at producing videos. Now Mr. Beast makes 50 million a year. I've heard that he's worth over a billion. Um, he has 130 million followers. Compare that the New York Times has about 9 million subscribers. Mr. Beast, 130 million. This 12 year old kid who hated school created a career for himself where he's blowing it out of the water for everybody. Uh, if school was ever relevant, it is becoming so irrelevant for so many careers. Um, yeah. Read Heather's comment. Mm -hmm. yes. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, ADHD, I often think that uh, I'm one of these people who at this point in my life, I have 50 browsers open. I'm involved in 20 projects. If I was in school, they would medicate me. And, uh, you know, again, if medication's the right thing for your child, that's fine. But I've seen so many kids who, um, when they were allowed to pursue their interests, were no longer anxious, were no longer depressed, when they were in a warm, supportive environment, allowed to pursue their interest, uh, often they didn't need the meds. You know, and it's a question. I've, I have kids who sometimes go on and off meds based on their own choice, but if it's the child deciding, I feel more capable with meds, great. If they feel like the meds are slowing me down or making me feel less than optimal, great. Again, empower the child, help them discover their genius and 
basically no rules. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much, Michael, for that. We have a couple of comments I would like to go through. Um, One is from Heather Crowley. She says, my son is ADHD and unable to focus on things that don't interest him, but a genius at things that he does want to tolerate and learn about. Um, it's, It's so nice to hear I'm not the only parent with this issue and we have control over the situation by taking control back by um, breaking away from the norm. And her question was, who did you suggest to read? What was his name? Um, Henrik Carlson, I'm Googling it right now. I'll drop the link in. He's Danish, so it's Henrik with the K and Carlson spelled in a Danish way. Okay. Uh, Escaping Flatland is his uh, Substack, but I'm gonna drop the link in, in the thank you. chat right now. Oh, thank you so much. He, this yeah. author is also quick riff and then I'll let you go. He also has the childhoods of exceptional people as one of his other posts. And he shows how, how exceptional people basically had tutors and uh, a lot of exploration. Yes. And it was not about school. That's awesome. That's been a big thing that I've learned with my kids is finding them mentors. When they mm-hmm. show interest in something, like my my oldest son wanted to be a mechanic. He just started naturally picking things up around the house, working on them. And so I found him a mentor and I, I, I cultivated a relationship where he wanted to work with that mentor. And I'm trying to do the same with my middle child, but he doesn't really like this mentor that I found. And so I'm really trying to let them lead their own path, but support them in that path. And mentors are really big for me and getting that done because I can't teach them a lot of the stuff that they want to learn. What I really am trying to teach them is how to learn on their own. So eventually, hopefully they will pick up when they want to do something, start looking for their own mentors. That's how I have been incredibly successful my entire life is I've had mentors in real estate and construction, um, all sorts of mentors in education. Michael mentored me uh, to help me learn and grow and be better at what I, I want to do. And that's, I think, what we really should be doing for our kids is providing mentors to them. And they're all over the Internet now. It's so easy to, to go out and find people. Thank you. Carol, did you have a question? Yes, I did. Uh, thank you, Michael, for all the work you've done in so many different areas that we can learn from and, and Lacey for sharing your story. It, it really does help me understand that that uh, teaching children is very individual. Uh, the question that I do have is you did not mention, Michael, I don't think you did unless I missed it, about um, doing homeschooling online do you have any have any input or opinions on that for the long run that a child would be doing that online sure so first um um, as you can tell i'm radically pluralistic if they are reading and reading a lot whether it's um you know whatever they're doing that's fine if they're doing um you know eventually writing i think I see reading and then conversation about reading and then writing as a natural sequence. Um, And then math, math takes discipline. I would say that math is one place where I like to encourage families to have their child get into a habit of ideally at least 30 minutes, let's work on math every day. Um, And then for me, if it's online, and I I don't think we want kids online, you know, 10 hours a day, 
but I have a virtual school and we're, we're four hours a day. If, you, if it's online and they're engaged and happy in the learning, totally fine. Um, I do like to see kids outdoor. You know, I grew up on a farm. We went outside and played. So I think if your kid is doing online education, make sure they're going outside and doing physical things. But I would say, however, and, and actually just super simple, is your child thriving? This is what every parent should just, is my kid happy and thriving? If they are thriving more in a virtual program, go for the virtual program. If they're thriving more in a public school, go for the public school. But as long as they're progressing with respect to reading, writing, and math, um, and exploring other interests, whether it's animation or biology or finance, whatever it is, entrepreneurship, um, and they're happy and well, they're good. So for me, look, is your child happy online? Are they engaged? If they're not engaged in this online program, find another one. Uh, so for me, the, the thriving, the skills, and the kind of confidence are the important thing, radically pluralistic. And I've seen families go from one program to another, uh, do whatever works for your child. I used to think there was one right way, but I think now if you have 10 different kids, I can imagine 10, 10 different educational paths for them. Yes, thank you very much. Um, Bree has a excellent question. Do you have general advice for working parents, it's a long one, to, um, to begin their homeschool journey? Good question. So a couple of things. First, obviously depends on how old and how, um, how much self-control the child has. Uh, you know, just going back to my essay, how to give your child an expensive private education for 3000 a year, the number one thing is for your child to develop an internal locus of control. If your child can focus, there's another author, Cal Newport describes focus as the new IQ. And we're all distracted, media distracts, if your child can focus on their own, and I've seen some young children focus, then, then they could homeschool on their own at a younger age. If they get to be 16 and have no capable capacity to focus, maybe they need um, more of a structured environment. So the number one thing I as a parent or wanted was for my children to be able to focus. And then as an educator, I want to train kids to focus and going back to Lacey's point, owning their own education. So the extent to which they're doing that and the age at which they're capable varies. But going back to concretely, I also encourage parents to work together. I, I've created lots of schools. I don't see a sharp line between homeschooling and creating a school, which may sound crazy, but micro schools, homeschooling co-ops, partner with two, three, four other parents where they have their child part of the day, you have the child part of the day, hire tutors. So you know, if you have four parents and you hire a tutor for a couple of hours a day, or they go to a martial arts studio for a couple of hours, and then an art studio, and then you have a tutor who does math. Uh, again, I think if your mental model is just homeschool is kid alone in the kitchen all day, uh, break out of that, look for ways to provide your particular child with a structure he or she needs, which may be minimal. Again, Laura Deming needed no structure at all and was amazing. Or again, some of us are very social. We need lots of human interaction find a human situation where productive activity will take place. If that means a homeschooling co-op with three, four, five, 10 families, whatever, if that becomes a micro school, great. So understand your child, what they need to do to focus constructively on some kind of activity that will improve them and then do what it takes to create an environment, homeschool, homeschool co-op, virtual education, curriculum, cool resources, whatever it takes. So they're productively focused for a portion of the day 
on learning and advancing who they are. Thank you. It's, you're so articulate. Thank you. I want to, Beth Mellett has a comment here. We are finishing up our homeschool journey as our youngest child is a high school senior. However, we have friends whose son is dyslexic and has been struggling with health issues for the past two years. He actually failed ninth grade, but the public school passed him on anyway. He's currently uh, finishing his 10th grade year in cyber school. His parents are considering allowing me to homeschool him next year. His interest is diesel mechanics. I have no experience with either dyslexia nor diesel mechanics. Suggestions as to where to start. Um, where's your yeah. local diesel mechanic? You know, where's your local diesel mechanic? Yeah. Check around. No, I absolutely agree. And backing up though to the dyslexic thing. Uh, so I find wonder technology is wonderful. I find with so many of my dyslexics, and a lot of my students are dyslexics, you know, voice to text and text to voice. That is, use technology. Again, my friend Mikhail Thorup doesn't read. He listens to hundreds of things, books a year. So first of all, I, I think there's a whole thing about, oh, I'm going to have a dyslexic expert help, which is fine, nothing wrong with that. But I would say with technology, so many dyslexics can use technology to become functional immediately, including successful entrepreneurs. And then you're absolutely right, Liz. Uh, find somebody, a path to get started might be, you know, YouTube has everything on earth. Coursera has everything on earth. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. the thing is free high quality education is all over the place. So while you're finding the perfect diesel mechanic mentor or internship, which would be the dream, uh, go ahead and get him started on watching cool YouTube videos. The other thing is, well, diesel mechanics are, you know, somewhat more uh, different, obviously, than internal combustion. I've had students from mechanics and I buy them an old lawnmower engine, lawnmower engine, take apart yes. the lawnmower, put it back together, you know, clean out the spark plugs, fix the carburetor, you know, get them working on actual stuff. Absolutely. That was, that would have been exactly what I was going to say for my oldest. He's ADD dyslexic and he likes mechanics. He didn't read when we left school, but he taught himself to read by going on, on YouTube and and learning about the things he wanted to do at home. He started working on uh, a side-by-side -side, uh, Polaris ATV, had no idea how to do it. I couldn't help him, but he got on YouTube and started looking at videos and watching videos on how to change uh, spark plugs, oil. Uh, he put new brakes on and do in doing that he had to be able to read the manual so he had to get the manual out and teach himself to read and what i did was i taught him how to compensate for his dyslexia which is exactly what i do i do not read or spell very well at all right now as i'm 37 and still cannot read or spell very well but the internet helps me with everything all i have to do is speak it in and there it is for me or if I don't know a word, I type it in and, and ask Google to tell me what it is or how to pronounce it. And I taught him to do that. And so he has just slowly gotten better over time. So I would say if he is dyslexic and he likes mechanics to encourage him to work on something he wants to work on. I am, but I am, but um, it's not a jujitsu tournament. Uh, my brother and I are doing our first wrestling tournament uh, just to practice for another one later on. Because mm -hmm. um, it's different than jujitsu, so it'll be different. I don't really know anything. Um, I don't know how to get any points, but I'm just going to go 
because it's good practice. Is it a form of martial arts or is it completely different from martial arts? It's a form of martial arts. Uh, it's more grappling, though. It's more like jujitsu and not karate or something like that, striking. Got it. Um, are you at all uh, nervous or apprehensive or not at all? I'm a little nervous, but I'm, I don't wrestle on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. So I'm just, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know anybody there anyways. Um, so not as much as I would be if I was doing a jiu-jitsu tournament. Well, um, I think we might have a relevant, uh, I, I got a paragraph that might actually be a little bit relevant. Um, do you remember when we were talking about flow last time? About uh, flow? Yeah. Can you say that? The mm. I think you've frozen, Michael. Am I back? Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you. Great. Sorry, I um, just dropped in. I think I just dropped in the chat, when school's not working. Mm -hmm. There's a YouTube channel called When School's Not Working. And it includes interviews with many of the people I've mentioned. So Clint Spradlin, the um, teenager who dropped out of school and became a self-taught coder is interviewed. Laura Deming's father, John Deming is interviewed there. Mikkel Thorup is interviewed there. So if people want to actually see some of the case studies that I've mentioned, um, that's a great resource. Uh, it's nice to actually hear from the people. I'm also going to drop in a YouTube channel where I do Socratic discussions. Uh, I started with a, a friend's daughter, Alana, when she was four. She's now 10. She's exceptionally articulate. I see Socratic discussion as basically having a conversation about ideas, asking your child what they think and why, how they understand things and why. And all people talk. I once, once in a public school and was asked, is this appropriate for all kids? And they said, look at them in the lunchroom. Human beings talk. Um, if you look at most adults in the workplace, many people talk professionally. So thinking and talking and having conversations. Homeschooling should be fun. I know, I've known a lot of start off more curriculum driven and then move towards more flexible, whether or not completely unschool, more flexible. And I think in order to have joy when you're homeschooling, you wanna work with what your child loves while maybe making sure they do the half hour of math every day or whatever, but minimize the stuff that is work and maximize the stuff that is joy and nurturing them be to become amazing in their own way. Wow, this is absolutely amazing information. Yes. I have five children and I couldn't imagine at one point having all of them at home, homeschooling them. I wanted to like pull my hair out. Um, it was just, it's awful for me. My first time doing this was really difficult. I had, um, I was just done with public system. My um, now fourth grader was having severe um, issues in school. Uh, since he was in kindergarten and he is on the spectrum and he's ADHD and ADD and all of these lovely words that they like to throw at you. Um, and I realized that while we were at home and we were doing an online school, it's called like Florida virtual. And he was excelling way more doing that than he was actually sitting in a class one-on-one -on -one, him and I. Um, and then I tried to minimize the amount of time where I was sitting with him and trying to 
help him understand the information he was getting. Um, and then I could see the lights spark in, in his brain and he was able to get things a little easier. And then he wanted to go back to school. And so we took him back into uh, a charter and I have some concerns. So I'm thinking about pulling him out again because I just, I want them to have the best uh, educational experience that they possibly can. And I know now that my, my youngest, she's in BPK and she's miserable. She hates it in there. She tells me all the time she doesn't want to go back to school. Um, so I love the information you're giving and it's kind of given me the encouragement, like that spark again to come and bring my babies back home and, and do it how we're supposed to, um, how it was in intention, you know? So I'm really excited hey. about all of this. Thank you so much. And everybody's hey. asking me great questions, so. Yes, Quick comment thank to the Carl, Carl's question. Um, so I coined a term scolia normativity, and I say in scolia normativity. I've seen so many kids with 30-page psych reports, which have tons of diagnoses about how the kid is messed up. And the kid was amazing, an absolute amazing, wonderful person. And so I would say trust your mama's instincts over the psych reports. And often I've seen so many kids who were a problem in a conventional system. You take away the conventional system. Child's wonderful. Um, there's a woman who writes on this who says that studying kids in school is like studying um, killer whales at Sealand, Sea, sea Park, Sea that World. That makes sense. Yeah. But Carl, yes. maybe the last question. Yeah, last question. Uh, this is Carol. I just want you mentioned you had a virtual school, and I'm sorry, but my it's my chat that's not working. So, uh, what is your virtual school? It's Socratic Experience, um, SocraticExperience.com. And we've got options. One of the favorite options for homeschools is just our Socratic dialogue. So um, it's about 350 bucks a month and two hours a day of Socratic dialogue, which gets your kids social life and intellectual development. So absolutely love that. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I know that um, that we have some of Liz's children on. If you guys would like to maybe give 30 seconds to a minute of, of what your experience was being homeschooled by your mama, I'd love to hear your experience, if that's okay. Oh, I think my one daughter, oh yes, she had piano. She's teaching piano lessons starting oh. right now. Oh, so, awesome. Um, but my other daughter, um, I'm not sure she is... A brand new, brand new mom just had um, her baby a week ago, um, Sunday. Is she around, Nathan? To probably not. Yeah, I think I saw her it in the been, back. Darting in and out. Um, oh, well, it's listen, okay. But uh, yeah, but this has been just fascinating. I I got to reap some of the benefits of Liz's work by obviously marrying my wife, Liz's daughter, Lara. But uh, Michael, I'd love to reach out to you later by email or otherwise, just to talk to you about some things that we're discussing with our families. So thank you for your. Yes. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. I think you and Lacey are going to end up getting lots of emails and lots of questions. Yes. Um, we, this is a we, fantastic time. And if you guys want to come back on, we would totally accept yes. you to come back on <laughs> uh, to just expand a little more, maybe on the process of what micro schools look like and, and maybe starting, yeah. you know, other Socratic schools. So I absolutely love what you're doing and thank you so all. So yes. Thank you so much. I'm afraid we're going to have to say goodbye, but, um, thank you all for coming. Michael and Lacey can't thank you enough. Thank, thank you very everybody. much for having us. Keep up oh, the yes. great work, everybody. Yes, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Bye. All right. So, Allie. But we will watch you. Oh. <laughs> I have a little granddaughter down here. Oh, there she is. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> there she is. Oh, that's that's where she went. Yes, <laughs> that's where she went. Do you know yes. who Nicole is? Who is Nicole and Sherry? Sherry, did you or Nicole, did you have anything else you wanted to discuss? We're going to talk about uh, publicizing this webinar and getting it posted so that you can go back and review. I'll, I'll sign off, let you guys go. Feel free to send up Kelly if you want. Okay. All right. Really nice to meet you. Thank you guys. Nice to meet you. Showing this to Omi. Okay. I don't know where, I don't know where um, Maria went. I think she oh, left. Yes. And she made me co-host. So. Oh, okay. So that's fine. That's fine. Um, um, yes. So this is something I would love to get put out. Um, yes. We should actually have all of ours put out. I think Zaira has sent over the ones that we had before, all of the rest of them. She sent them over to Judy. Did she? Because I, yes. I talked with her about it. Um, I'm not sure if she did or didn't. I, okay, I, there's there. I think there's an email um, thread between her, uh, myself, and Judy with okay. the other um, videos of our webinar. So with this one, because it's re being recorded or was recorded, I'm sure Maria has access to do the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. I personally don't know how to do that. I need to do like a little training to figure it out. But we can definitely send it over to Judy and we can discuss more with Mel on what this process looks like for making sure that we are able to um, promote it properly. Yes. Um, this was absolutely it was really great. It really was. It was really great. Yes. And there were really amazing questions asked. And I would love to have them back to discuss yes. further yes. some other things. Um, uh, notes for sure. Yes. Um, and I um, snagged um, Michael DeLugas, the parental rights lawyer, uh, the 17th of April. 17th? He, yes. Okay, so I need to tell Mel that then. Yes. Is it Michael or David? I thought it was oh, David. David. David, you're right. Okay. It's Michael Strong and David DeLugas. So. Okay, so yeah. All right, I will get that information out right now to Mel because she's going to need to promote that. So David. Yes. Lucas, mm -hmm. seven. I think it's seventeenth. Whatever that Monday is, pretty sure. Twelve Eastern. Okay. All right, ma'am. Thank you All so right. much. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, so, is there anything that I need to do to get this um, record? Is there any help you want from me? To get this I recorded, I don't think so. I don't. I'm not sure how that even works. How you can? I don't know how to do that. Um, yeah, Z, think, uh, Z sent me information at least for the last one on the chat and and the link. So okay. maybe I could send that over. Is it Judy that I would send it to, or Mel, or who do I? You would send it to Judy. Oh, Judy. Okay. 
And if it's not Judy, she'll tell me who to send it to. Right. So that's last week's, or yeah, last month's info. Okay. Right. And we need to, um, I haven't been able to email it out yet because I don't know how to access our email list, which is very difficult because I don't have my assistant and my assistant would know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> All these things. But this okay. is too good to keep quiet. So I know. All right. Okay. Hi, well, thank you. If you need anything, please call me. I'll be All here. All right. All right. Thanks so much. We'll You're see welcome. you soon. All righty. Bye. Bye, little one. <laughs>